Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Isn't he good? God is good. All right. You can have a seat. Uh, I, I got a brainstorm this morning. You want to hear it? Really? It's a good one. We're going to have a Jesus birthday cake on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I just have to have somebody bring the cake. Okay? That's my only problem. Okay? So, you know, I come up with these ideas. But, um, you know, in our, ho- in our house, in our family, that's been a long-time tradition, is that we go home on Christmas Eve, and we have a Jesus birthday cake, and we sing happy birthday to Jesus. And when our kids were little, they would put on another service, pastor's kids, you know. And uh, their favorite part was the offering. And uh, I, know I was never quite sure what they did with the offering, but we did take an offering. And uh, so this year, uh, we'll talk about the offering here in just a little bit, but we are going to take one. And um, so anyway... Christmas Eve, don't miss it, okay? It's going to be fun. And we want our children to remember, you know, isn't it interesting that our culture, our society, knows how to throw a great party at Christmas? We just sometimes don't know who it's for. And it's not your birthday. It's Jesus' birthday, right? And we want our kids and our grandkids and our family and our friends to know why we're having such a great party. We're having it because of Jesus. Jesus, God's love, become human. Love with skin on it. The incarnation, God born to be one of us. You know, we talked about love blend. um, And it's been a lot of fun. The blend, the coffee. We had Christmas blend. Anybody get some Christmas blend yet today? You're going to have some on your way out of good stuff, right? Strong stuff. And, um, And then this whole idea of the blending of God with us. And I don't fully know the mystery of the incarnation. I know for centuries Christians have been trying to understand it and explain it. And it's like, well, maybe Jesus was like, you know, 50-50, you know, or 60-40. If you grew up in Sunday school, he's got to be at least 60-40, more God, right? And And then you think about it and you consider it, and you know the answer is 100 hundred, right? Uh, that, that's who Jesus is, fully God and fully man. And we celebrate the mystery and the wonder of that at Christmas time. God become a baby born to live a perfect life and show us how to live and how to love and then in the ultimate act of love to give his life for us and to rise from the grave for us and to give us new life. How cool is that? And it all begins, the story begins at Christmas, so I hope you can join us on Christmas Eve and bring somebody along. Early in the new year, Pastor Shane and I are very excited about a new series we're going to be doing. Uh, we're calling it Text TXT, and it's about the text on which our faith is based and which helps us to understand our faith. And that would be the very <laughs> somebody was listening. That would be the. Bible, the Bible. And so we're going to take like four weeks and going to be very, very cool. Well, when you think about the Bible and the, the wonder, the uniqueness, the power of the Bible, one of the things you quickly realize is that the New Testament begins with four different stories of the life of Christ. We call them the Gospels. They are, anybody know the first one? Matthew, and then, and then... And then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And 
Matthew is trying to communicate with Jewish Christians, with, with uh, the Jewish people, that Jesus is Messiah. So he tells the story, even the story of the birth of Christ, with that perspective, which is why Matthew chapter 1 is full of begats. There's a whole lot of begatting going on, right? And the begats are the genealogy, the history of the life of Christ, because in the line of Christ, there's King David, and it's one who sits on the throne of David who will be Messiah, and in the line of Christ, there's Abraham. And remember God's promise, the covenant with Abraham, that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. So Matthew makes sure that's included in the story. Then we, re- then we turn to Mark, and there is no Christmas story. What's up with that? He didn't get it. You know, he's a, he's a humbug. Because, because Mark has another purpose. Mark is trying to get us to the cross. 16 chapters long, everything is told in a hurry, and by chapter 9, you're in the last week of the life of Christ. Like, whoa, whoa. He is getting us to the reason Jesus was born, which was the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And that's what Mark is all about, and that's why he tells the story the way he tells it. Luke, Luke is the one who tells the story that we're most familiar with. And who, who is Luke speaking to? He's speaking to, to Gentiles, to unbelievers, to outsiders, to people who've never heard before. And so he always points out the women and the children and the foreigners. I love that. He's like, the good news is for everyone. So he tells us about Zechariah and Elizabeth. He tells us about the shepherds. He's the only one who puts them in because they were there. Because he wants us to know that everyone is included. And then John tells his version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. No manger, no Mary, no Joseph, no shepherds, no wise men. Because that's already been written. It's the last gospel. And he's looking back from the other side of the cross at the life of Jesus, and he's saying, look, friends, there's a cosmic purpose here. Christmas is more than mangers and angels and even a baby in a manger. All of that is true and all of that is important. But it is important because this child is the word of God who was there the very dawn of creation. The the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who is our father. The God who is our savior. The God who will come as the Holy Spirit. And John knows all of that. So he wraps it all up and he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. The message translation of John 1.14. And so this is the story of Christmas, the story of love with skin on. God become one of us. And when you think about love, you know, love blend is really a pretty accurate description because love has more than one dimension. Uh... Does anyone here love your puppy, your, your dog, your cat? Well, the, you might love your cat, but your cat doesn't love you back. I hate to tell you. But uh, anyone got a pet you love? Can I see that hand? Loud and proud, all right? 
And anybody love uh, peppermint ice cream at Christmas? Anybody? I know my wife's in on that one. Um, <laughs> that's a long story, but I won't go. I digress. Um, um, anybody love your husband? All right. <laughs> anybody love your pastor? Yes. <laughs> well, and pick one. You know, you got several to love. All right. Now, those loves are all a little different, aren't they? Aren't they? And so in the Bible, you got more than one word. In English, we just love it all. We just love them all. Um, but it's all, it's blend, love is a blend of what I sometimes think of as the kinder, gentler, warmer side of love. Um, sometimes it's romantic. Sometimes it's just thoughtful and nice and warm. And uh, God loves us that way. You know, sometimes... If you've been around church as long as I have, you get this notion that God kind of loves us because he has to. You know, it's um, God so loved the world, uh, kind of nameless, faceless numbers, and we all show up at church and we do our duty and we come on Sunday and we put a few bucks in the plate and we help out when they ask us to. And, you know, if you're not careful, you just kind of, I don't know, you become like a, a servant and a, a number, a cog in the machinery. And you lose sight of the fact that I'm a favored son. I'm the most high God. And you're a favored daughter. And he knows your name. And he knows your stuff and he knows your journey. He knows your story. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you. And I was thinking, I came across a scripture this week in preparing the message from uh, the Older Testament that talks about that unique love of God. Hosea chapter 11, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of what name, what country? Out of, I called, out of, I called, when did Jesus go to Egypt? Remember? When the, when the wise men came and they warned them that Herod was out to get them and an angel appeared to Joseph. And what did he do? He took the baby Jesus and Mary and fled to Egypt for two years until Herod died. They were refugees in Egypt. So this is an Old Testament prophecy fulfilled in the Messiah Jesus. And I led them with cords of human kindness and with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child. Would you read that next phrase? Who lifts a child to, and I, to, really? God loves us like someone who lifts a little child to the, Cheek. Anybody got a baby around this Christmas, a grandchild, a child, a, you know, aren't, aren't they just cool? Aren't they neat? Aren't they perfect? Don't they smell good? Don't they feel good? Don't you just want to put your cheek on their cheek? I mean, and God loves you that much. God loves you that way. How cool is that? God doesn't just have to love you. He gets to love you. He, he treasures you. What a, what did, um, Lucado say, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. 
I love that. Um, anybody read The Shack? It was kind of a weird book, and it had its issues and struggles, but one of the best things about it was this picture of a loving God. And what did the father keep saying? I'm very fond of you. And I don't know, but when I read that and I thought, God, wow, God is fond of me. You know, he doesn't have to love me. He chooses to love me. He loves me with that kind, affectionate, fatherly love that we've just read about in the Older Testament. So that means that, well, you look at the Christmas story, right? There's Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're not just names. They're not just pawns. They're not just, you know, nameless, faceless people. This is an old man and an old woman who have lived their whole lives and never been blessed to have a baby. And an angel shows up and a miracle happens and she gets pregnant and they have a little one and they take him to, to dedicate him to God and he says what God said, his name is John. John, his name is. And he starts to talk and he starts to sing and they take a baby home. How cool is that? These are real people with blessed lives. And there's this 12 or 13 year old young girl. I mean, we can't imagine somebody that young being the mother of the Messiah. But in the ancient Middle East, life expectancy was probably 35 or 40. So when a young girl had her first period and became a young woman, I mean, she was able to bear a child. She was eligible to be married. And the angel says, greetings, Mary. God calls her by name. You are highly favored. And I, you know, I just think about what that must have been like for her. She was not a number. She was not a, a tool, an instrument, an object. She was a young woman, blessed, loved by God. And I think about you and me and our family this Christmas and I don't, we all need that. We all need that warm personal side of love. You know, somebody who knows. I, I, I heard a kid once who said, I like that man because my name is safe in his mouth. You know, when he speaks to me, he speaks with me with kindness and respect. My name is safe in his mouth. And that needs to be part of my family and your family, our relationships at work and among our friends all the time, Right? And I don't know about you, but that's sometimes hard. And isn't it crazy that it's hard at Christmas? It should be easy. We should be like Christmas love. should ooze out of every pore. But, but no, no. Life is crazy. Life is stressful. And I don't know about you, but the more stressful it gets, the more irritable I can become. Am I the only one? Okay. You know, <laughs> thank you. He says, yes, I am the only one. Okay. All right, true confession. I am the only one. So this is Christmas, you know, things don't go the way you want it, right? And uh, the gift, the gold gift gets lost, you know. Or whatever happens and the anxiety begins and the short temper begins and the harsh words begin. And then we remember that we have a father who loves us with a, with a gentle, kind love that wants to put his cheek next to ours. I love that. 
And he wants us to have that kind of love for each other. But love isn't only that. And I'm glad it isn't because love has a strong side. Love has a determined side. Uh, There's this Old Testament word for God's love. It's called hesed. And hesed is often translated steadfast love. Love that does the right thing, whether it feels all warm and fuzzy or not. And that's the kind of love, has anybody here uh, said wedding vows and married anybody else? Can I see your hand if you are married and said vows? All right. And your vows did not say, I am going to love my spouse as long as I feel warm and fuzzy. Did anyone? You better not have said that, okay? You said in sickness and in health for better, for poorer, you know, uh, for richer, for poorer. (laughs) I'm going to do a wedding on New Year's Eve. I better get it straight, all right? All right. And uh, so the wedding vow says, I will love you with a determined love. I will be faithful to you. I will, you know, it's the kind of love that takes out the garbage, right? It's the kind of love that shows up when somebody needs your help. It's the kind of love that can be depended on, that's strong, that defends somebody, that looks out for the good of the other. That's God's love. It's a strong love. It's a determined love. And it's all over the Christmas story too. God had a holy determination in his heart from the dawn of creation. We needed a savior. We were lost. We were broken. And he knew it needed to be fixed. We need to be fixed. So he sent his one and only son to be born in a stable to an impoverished young peasant couple who had no no power, no position to, to raise this child in affluence. God did it because he found the right people at the right time in the right place and God showed up. And he kept his promise. Whether it was easy or whether it was hard and I can only imagine how hard it was at times, right? I can only imagine. And I love that at the center of this story is, is the man who is most overlooked in the Christmas story, Joseph. Um, in Matthew's gospel, the first chapter, He tells us that after Joseph, being a godly man, a righteous man, had decided that the right thing to do was to put Mary away. And we think that's a terrible thing. Actually, it was a a kind thing because she was going to be discovered as a young woman, unmarried, who was pregnant. And in the ancient Middle East, that meant that she was an immoral woman. Her her, Her sin would be known publicly. She would possibly be stoned to death. And so Joseph, Joseph being a godly man, not understanding what God is up to, decides I'll just quietly write her a bill of divorce and I won't make a fuss and I won't go to the, Jew, to the Jewish leaders or to the village elders. He's trying to be nice, but he just can't do it because he's a righteous man and he knows he's not the father. But then an angel appears and says to take her home. That the baby is a miracle baby. That it's actually God's baby. And then this is what the scripture says. 
When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. (laughs) Apparently, he had to speak up to say the name Jesus. But other than that, we don't know he said anything else. Does anybody know a man who doesn't talk much? The strong, silent type, right? I love that. That is, that is Joseph. He is our, he is our model of the, the, the man's man, the guy's guy. He, he doesn't say very much. He doesn't, you know, uh, Zachariah sings a song. Elizabeth sings a song. Mary sings a song. Joseph, nope. <laughs> uh, did, did you know that in church, some men don't like to sing? And you can, you can love Jesus and not sing. You heard it right here, Okay. Um, did you know that in church some men feel a little bit awkward because they don't really know what, they're not talkers, they don't make speeches. Uh, you can love Jesus and not have to say a whole lot about it or make a speech about it. You can just do the kinds of stuff Joseph did. He just did what God asked him to do. Didn't crave attention. Didn't, didn't make a big deal about it. What did he do? He took Mary home to be his wife along with her baby and he spared her life. And he didn't have sex with her for nine months. And she was his wife and he had every right to, but he controlled himself. Now there's a lesson. There's a lesson. I mean, we live in a, we live in a culture in a time when the thought of controlling your, your sexual impulses is, you know, almost laughed at, right? And I know that there's part of loving God and honoring him that means I know where the boundaries are in my life and I know where the sexual boundaries are and with God's help I obey them and Joseph is our perfect example and then it says he named the child which means he took responsibility to be the father of Jesus the earthly father of Jesus and um, a few years back I went to a Catholic retreat center in Philadelphia for a, a, a week of prayer and most of us who went like myself were not Catholic so we were kind of fascinated by the various pictures and icons. And, and up by the main door, there was a statue with a plaque on it. And it was in honor of St. Joseph. And he had a hammer in one hand and a chisel in the other. And it talked about the fact that Joseph is a model to Christian men of what it means to follow Jesus. Do the right thing. Right? You take care of the people you need to take care of. You, you use your hands to, to do your job and you do it well and you do it with honor and you do it with dignity and you are an example. And so every once in a while I think about that. I think about how Joseph is an example of a godly man. And if you're part of our church family as a man and sometimes you're not quite sure where you fit or how this all works, just show up. Just do the right thing and don't do the wrong thing and you can't do that by yourself. I hate to tell you, but you can't. Because if you could, Christianity would be a self-help deal, right? we just all try harder. Uh, unfortunately, the church I grew up in meant really well, but I came away with that impression. That, uh, you know, in order to be a Christian, I needed to be holy and good, and that meant um, trying harder and jumping higher and trying to work at being a Christian. And I don't know about you, but I have found out that does not work. 
I just feel more obligated and burdened and frustrated with myself. And I had to come to a point where I understood it was about trusting more, not just trying harder. And it was about God living in me and loving through me. And we have a verse, you know, there's 1 John talks about uh, the, the love of God. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another where love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. There's the Christmas story. So that we might have eternal life through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. We love with his love. Have you ever met somebody that's hard to love? Yeah. <laughs> no elbows, no, you know, I have. And so humanly speaking, what do you do? Well, you just try a little harder and, you know, work at it a little more. And then the light comes on and I say, God, you love them. This scripture says you love them. And you put your love in my heart, so here's what I need, God. Would you love them through me? Would you help me to see them the way you see them? So I walk out of a store in Great Lakes Crossing Mall, and I've just posted on Facebook about how we ought to all be um, at least thoughtful about the Muslim people in the world, and especially in America, and we're in the middle of all this stuff about who should let how many people in and all that. And, you know, I'm in, the, I'm in the dialogue. I'm in the process. I'm in the struggle. I walk out of a store and I turn around and there's three women in a full burqa, right? With just the slot. And, I'm, and my Bible says, love your enemies. Now, I'm not talking about a a refugee or somebody that I have to make a decision about whether they get in or whether they don't. That's, I'm talking about people who live right here, right now, right? Our neighbors, our friends. And, I'm, and in, instantly there's an awkward moment. What am I going to do? How, you know, what, what, what should I do? And I realize that I can get up on Sunday and talk about love. Or I can choose love when it's hard, love when it hurts, love when I'm not quite sure where it's all going to go or how it's all going to turn out. Nobody said love was easy, least of all, Jesus. And in Matthew, you know, I talked about how Mark wants to get us to the cross and wants to get us to the end of the story. And I love the scripture that says Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew what was coming and he walked right into it. And that's love. And so there's part of us, all of us, that says, God, help me to love the way you love. To love the warm and affectionate and kind and gentle kind of love. And there are people in your world who need that this Christmas. And help me to love 
with a courageous, determined heart. When it isn't easy, and I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I love anyway with his love. And so the worship team is going to come and they're going to share a song. And I asked them to kind of create for us this holy moment. And I've heard the song a couple times. It is exactly that. And here's what I, here's what I want. I, you know, we're going to listen. It's going to be beautiful and all of that. But I'm hoping and praying that we will listen to the voice beyond these voices and the music beyond this music. It's the Holy Spirit we need today. And we need, here's what we need. We need anybody in this room who has never settled your own relationship with Jesus Christ, do it today. There is no time like Christmas to welcome the child of Bethlehem to be born in you. And maybe it's a good idea, and maybe you thought about it, and maybe you wanted it, but you never quite got there. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Come in and change me. Forgive me. Live in me. That prayer, that prayer opens up the love of God in you. And then, of course, for all of us here who love God, who love Jesus, who have opened our hearts and lives to him, here's the rest of the prayer. Help me to love like you love. Help me to love this week when it's stressful and I'm tempted to be irritated and say or do something that I would later regret. Um, what would it look like for your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or your kids this week if you love them? What do they need from you? Lord God, I thank you so much that your love encompasses it all. And we are not left to try harder and jump higher and somehow try to make you happy. We are here to let you love us and to love you back. So meet us right now in Jesus' name, amen.